welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Mike Smith. Hey, hello everybody. Wow, it sure is good to be here. It is good to be here. What a blessing. Um, this is the first time I've spoken. Last time I spoke here was in February. And then we were overseas. Jewel and I went overseas for um, about eight weeks or so. And I've had a couple of visits back. But this is the first, my first time back in um, six months to speak. And I feel very blessed and very um, excited about this. I haven't, somebody said to me this morning, you've had a long holiday. Well, I actually haven't. I've been working very, very hard in the last six months. I've set up my ministry called Every Believer Can because uh, I do believe that every believer can be a wonderful witness for Christ. And I do believe that this is the way forward for the church, for all of us to recognise that we aren't called to be, we aren't evangelists. Some people are evangelists, but all of us are called to be witnesses for Christ. And and I just love that thing about Justin uh, last week. Uh, Big call, goes away with how many of your friends? 15 non-Christian friends, he's there, and he's just, he's there in presence, letting his light shine, being the designated driver, all those things. This is what we need to be doing. We need to recognise that we can be witnesses for Christ. So anyway, I've been doing that for the last six months, going from church to church and preaching and all of that, which has been great. Um, Happy Father's Day for all the fathers. It's Father's Day. And the very first thing that I want to do, I feel really good about this, the first thing that I want to do... um, back here is I want to thank my heavenly father. I want to thank my heavenly father. And I know at the moment the theme of your church is love love is your ultimate goal. Love is the ultimate goal. I just want to remind you about God's gift of love for you before we go into this message. Um, John chapter 3 verse 16. Um, John chapter 3 and verse 16. In the PMV version, which is the Pastor Mike version. (laughs) For God so loved you that he gave you Jesus. And because you have believed in him, you have received the gift of eternal life. And the Greek word for life is life zoe or zoe, zoe life. It's a type of life that's not just a type of life that people have when they, you know, it's just not your everyday type of life, this Zoe life, which began the moment you received Christ, is the supernatural God-type love. It's a, it's a remarkable word. I'm not going to preach on that this morning. But this is a type of, the type of life that we've got, this Zoe life, it, which is for all eternity, is a potent, is a very, very amazing kingdom of God lifestyle. And this is God's, God's gift for you. Praise God. Ah, being a father, um, I just want to, on Father's Day, I just want to acknowledge the fact that I'm very, very blessed with the fact that I have got wonderful children and um, my oldest daughter, my oldest child, Lee, she's probably out um, feeding my grandson. Uh, there's Lee and Justin, who I am so incredibly proud of. Not an easy thing to take on a church, your first church. They're doing it. And um, I just want to thank you for your support for them. You would never get a more passionate couple or a most in love with God couple than Justin and Lee. They will, they will be a blessing. They are a blessing. They will be a blessing. And um, I've also got my other children. I've got, I've got Matt and Caridwin. Matthew's probably, well, Matt is preaching at the moment in an Anglican church. 
<laughs> Preaching there. Um, Mitchell was up there playing keyboards and Jill, um, wonderful couple. And um, I saw Lauren, my youngest, up there dancing as she always does. Yay, Lauren, we all saw you. Well done. <laughs> we love children. Father's Day. It's all good. Look, today I want to give a heart-to-heart talk. It's my first uh, week back and it's Father's Day. It's a heart-to-heart talk. I not only feel a father to my children, but I really do feel a father to so many people here. In fact, just as I was sitting here watching the worship, I, I could remember when Al made a decision for Christ. I can remember Tash. I, there's so many people that I just feel fatherly to. And today... I just want to give a heart-to-heart talk. I have now been a Christian for 40 years. It's pretty full-on, 40 years. 40 years in the Bible is a significant number. It's the age of preparation. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I've been pre- preparation. I've been a Christian for 40 years, and the one thing I don't want, I just don't want to just settle back and just sort of retire and just sort of be comfortable. I just want to, for this next period ahead, for my future... For my future, God knows, for my future, I just want to be living for Him. I want to be, I want to have a passion for Him, a fire for Him. I don't want to, now that I have, I'm no longer a senior pastor, I don't just want to, you know, just become a pew warmer, if that expression still relates. You know, I, um, one of the, years ago, I read a book by, by Bill Johnson. It was a book, um, I think it was From Heaven to Earth or one of those. It was a fantastic book. And Bill talks about the fact that we, we haven't just been, we haven't just become Christians to go to heaven. You know, we, we, we're not just here just to go through life and going to heaven. You know, there is, there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. Somebody whose heart is to build God's kingdom. And that is what I really want. That is what I've always wanted. From the moment that I received Christ, I've wanted to be somebody who could build the kingdom for God, to do something for God. And so I'm in, I'm, I'm in, a, in, a, in a place now where I'm just saying, God, this is a new thing for me. My future and your future begins today. Our future is, is ahead of us. And I'm saying, God, I just want to be going on for you. And God gave me a plan, gave me, this is... A sermon for me, God gave me a plan to empower the next season of my life and I want to share it with you because I do believe that it is a plan that we can all take on board and I want to say this, that what I have to say in this next you know, 25 minutes or whatever, this, this message, if you take it on board, will have a profound effect upon your life situation right now. That is the confidence that I've got. I say it because it's God's word to me and I, and I've, and I know it is a life-changing message. And so Mike's heart-to-heart talk is from Hebrews chapter 12 and reading from verse 1. And this is, this is the message that God's given to me that I want to share to you on Father's Day. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this 
by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The author of Hebrews talks about running the race with endurance. That's what I want. I want to run my race with endurance. I'm not a Christian who just wants to sit back and say, well, I'm just going to sit back and just be a believer who goes to heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm on a race, a most incredible race. I wrote a book, I called it um, Life's Ultimate Journey. That's how I see life, life's ultimate journey. And the author of Hebrews is encouraging us. He's saying, he's saying, let us run with endurance this incredible race. But the author here also talks about the fact that there are obstacles that can come our way, that can slow us down. There are obstacles. He talks about weights, things that can slow us down, that can cause us to stop running or even run in the wrong direction. Obstacles. Things like, and some of you are going to relate to these because we all can from time to time, things like negative circumstances in our life. We can be in a situation and we can think, my life at the moment is very, very negative. There's very little going right for me at the moment. I'm in trouble here. I'm in trouble there. I'm in trouble everywhere. I'm just, I am gripped with negative circumstances and we can become dominated by discouragement. And discouragement can stop us running. Discouragement can cause us just to want to sit down or lie down and just be unhappy. You know, I I saw on the news this morning, even before I came, there was a statement made, I don't know whether this is true or not, but the statement was that nearly half half the women in Australia are either anxious or depressed. I heard that on the, I don't know, it was one of those shows, newsy type shows. Negative circumstances, um, a sense of unworthiness, a sense of failure. We can become overwhelmed with weakness. These are some of the weights that can come against us. We can be affected with hurts and offences and it can cause us to stop. We can be adversely affected, listen, by positive things. We can have so many blessings, we can be so blessed that we no longer think that we need God. That is the affliction of, of some very, very wealthy people who've got everything. They don't need God anymore. You know, and we can be so successful and busy, we don't have time for God. The author of this, of Hebrews, is saying, run the race, but watch out for the weights that do come. And they do come. And we have had negative circumstances. And we do sometimes feel unworthy. And we do get offended and we do get hurt. And we do sometimes get sidetracked because we're so busy. These things come. But in this passage of Scripture, we are given an amazing solution. This is the solution that, I'm, that I know I need to take on board. The solution is, look, keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates, starts and perfects, finishes our faith. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. I'll tell you what this means to me. My mind is a battlefield. Your mind is a battlefield. You know, as a man thinks, so he is. There is this 
we, we have to guard our minds. And I'm just going to read this. This is very important. We need our minds to develop a permanent belief system based on what it means to be in Christ. Our minds need to have a belief system based on what it means to be a Christian. We need to have a Jesus-influenced mindset. Our minds need to be influenced by Jesus. I'll put it, an, uh, put it another way. We need our minds to be permanently dominated, permanently dominated by good news, by the good news of the gospel, by the good news about Jesus. News, Zoe life, news, our minds dominated with news that is so wonderful, so powerful, that it will dominate every negative weight that comes our way. Things come our way, but our minds need to be so dominated by the good news by Jesus that we can overcome. It's, it's, it's huge. This is what I am so aware of for my own life. So what do I mean by this? That The how-tos. In order to get this type of Jesus-dominated belief system, in order to get this type of belief system, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to look towards Jesus. We need to be focused upon Jesus. Now listen, not just on what he's done, which is what we're so good at, not just what he's done 2,000 years ago, not just what Jesus has done, but we need to be focused on what Jesus is presently doing as well. And we need to be focused on what he intends to do in the future. It's not just a, the gospel is not just, you know, what Jesus has done. It's, 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 it's eternal Zoe. It's the, entire, it's the entire thing. The good news of the gospel is the fact that Jesus, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, past, present and future which means that our minds can be completely absorbed and dominated by good news. And so, how does this work? Okay, first of all, we need to focus and develop a belief system based upon what he's done. We need to be aware of what Jesus has done. And it needs to, it needs to be part of our thinking. It needs to be well-placed in our minds. What Christ has done for me. Uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It's actually up on the screen, so you probably don't need to l- turn to it. But it, this is what Jesus has done. This is one of a million things that Jesus has done. But what can you say in a, in a, in a, in a Father's Day message? Okay, what has he done? For he made him, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might, this is what Jesus has done for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus has made it possible for you and I to be a righteous son or daughter of God. And because we are righteous, we are now part of his family. Um, it goes on to say, as a result of that, turn back a couple of verses to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is what he's done. Therefore, if anyone, or in other words, therefore, because you are in Christ... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things need to become new. As a new creation in Christ, we have a new identity. We are part of God's family. We are righteous. We are loved by Him. We are blessed. The list goes on and on and on and on. Um, Identity. We have this new identity. The old is gone, the new has come. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Um, As a new creation, we have got a Father who loves us unconditionally. There are promises, kingdom of God promises that we have, all because of what Christ has done. We have a new identity. We have a new relationship. We have promises. It is good news, good news, good news, good news. That is the reality of what Christ has done, has done for us. So we need to, whatever our situation is, we need to know we've got to be able to focus on this. The psalmist said, forget not the benefits, not forget not his benefits. The Bible is full of examples of, of us being said, don't forget what he's done. Remember the good things of God. Remember, remember, remember. As we remember, they, they become part of our minds. We remember, we meditate, we apply them to ourselves. We declare them. We saturate our thinking with who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us. Praise God. And this is what I do. I, can, I come before God. Sometimes I do feel weighted, weighted, weighted down with issues. So I, I come before God and I just start remembering. I do this. I remember. I start saying and I start thanking. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you that I'm a new creation. I'm part of your family. Oh, Heavenly Father, you're looking down upon me right now with incredible love. Oh, God, these issues I've got, there are promises. And I'm believing your promises. And even if these things don't get solved immediately, you are a faithful God and your presence is with me. And in your presence there is fullness of joy. And I'm just there. I'm just getting into my mind. I'm looking toward Jesus. Because you can, we can be taken out of the race. We've got to get ourselves back. And so we look towards Jesus in our minds, in our thinking. Praise God. Praise God. You can come. I have come sometimes carrying as though I'm just carrying incredible weights and burdens. And I get there and I just remind myself what Jesus has done and what he's secured for me. And then when that happens, pretty much every time, hope rises. Words of that song which I've got in front of me. So let hope rise and darkness tremble in your holy light that every eye will see Jesus our God, great and mighty to be praised. I go in there and I've lost hope. I go in there and, it's, and I'm stumbling on, on the race. But then the hope rises as I look to what Jesus has done. Praise God. Last night, I heard a song for the first time. I've since been told you guys sing it. Typical. You guys are very much on the edge. But the words of the song, I heard it in the car for the first time. I think it's by Michael W. Smith. And, it, and it's, it's this. It's, um, this is the words. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. We remember what Christ has done and how it's brought us into this new relationship. We're new creations in Christ. And I tell you, your mindset will change. Praise God. And the result is we're going to have an attitude of gratitude. 
We go around, oh God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've kept me for 40 years. Thank you that you've saved me. Thank you that I'm righteous. And our whole mindset and our problems diminish because hope rises. Praise God. Okay, secondly, what Jesus is doing. Well, we know he's the firstborn of the family, of the new creation family, and he's the head of the church. Jesus is active. He's the head of the church. And he says, I will build my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will keep it out. Jesus isn't dormant. He hasn't fallen asleep. He's the head of the church and he is presently building it. This is what he's doing now. This is what he's doing now. I look to him as the head of the church. He's building the church. So how does that affect me? It means that I'm not insignificant. I'm not an insignificant person. I'm not just somebody warming a pew. I have an incredibly strategic, purposeful life that I can live. I'm not an insignificant person. The good news is that I have been birthed into an extraordinary supernatural lifestyle. This is what I've been born into. This is my present reality. It didn't just finish the moment I received Christ and I'm born again going to heaven. I'm living it. I'm living in this type of lifestyle. I'm part of Jesus' team. I'm part of his team, which is so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will keep it out. I'm a team player. I'm in a team. I have significance, purpose and meaning in my life. And so directly after... Jesus, um, the Apostle Paul talks about us being new creations in Christ in 2, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He then starts to talk about what the team does. What he, no, he then goes and talks about his plan. God's plan is to reconcile people to himself. That's God's plan, to reconcile people into his family. And then we are told about the team. The team, we are called ministers of reconciliation. That's who you've been called. We've been given the message of reconciliation. And get this, have a look at, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. I just love this, this verse. Therefore, there's a therefore. Paul's come to a therefore. Your new creations, this is your life. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Be, we, be, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. We are in, you are an ambassador for Christ. We need to be aware of that. When we go, when we leave our home in the morning, we need to be aware. I'm on a race. What do I do? I don't know what I do, but one thing I do know: I'm an ambassador for Christ. This is who I am. I'm a walking ambassador. I've, I've told you before, but some of you wouldn't know this. My uncle was a British ambassador. My uncle, uh, Sir Howard Smith. <coughs> Name dropping here. <laughs> Uncle Howard was the British ambassador in Northern Ireland during the times of troubles. And he was a British ambassador in Moscow during the Cold War. He was also the head of MI5 at one stage. He was the M in James Bond. But anyway. <laughs> the family tree. But as British ambassador, he was Great Britain's representative. He represented the kingdom of Great Britain. And we represent the kingdom of God. We are Jesus' ambassadors. And I, I just think that that is, that, that, is, that is amazing. So wherever we go, we model Jesus. And I do believe that as we focus on what Jesus is doing now and the fact that we are Christ's ambassadors, it'll keep us on the race. 
Because we know. It's not as though we think, what do I do? I'm just going to walk around in circles not knowing. Wherever we go, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. I'm going to model what Jesus does. I'm going to love people. I'm going to care for people. I'm going to have words for people and bless them. I'm going to pray for... I'm, we have a plan and a purpose. If you don't have a plan and a purpose, you'll be discouraged. Let me give you an example here. How many of you like the football? Nobody. Seven people. How many of you follow, how many of you follow Richmond? Okay. This is, a, this is a football example. Hypothetical. The start of season last year, 2017, Dustin Martin starts, plays in the first game, and he sits on the interchange bench. He's just sitting there. And we're all thinking, that's strange. I thought he would have been on the ground first off. But amazingly, he spends the entire game on the interchange bench. We're thinking, what? The next game comes. He's on the interchange bench for the whole season, uh, for the whole game. Third game, fourth game. He spends the entire season in this hypothetical, Dustin Martin, on the interchange bench. He never plays. Comes grand final time. The team all run out on the field to get their trophies or medals or whatever they get for winning. Dustin Martin runs out too. He's part of the team. But he never played at all. The others were excited. We won, we won. And he was there. I'm part of a winning team, but I never, ever played. I never, ever got on the field. And that's why I believe that as we looked, as we are aware of what Jesus is doing now, as head of the church, building the kingdom, and he's called us, If we, in our own unique, quiet, loud, whatever we are way, step out there with him, we are going to have a lot of joy and peace and we're going to be in the race rather than on the interchange bench watching everybody else doing the fighting. Finally, looking at what Jesus is going to do. We sang about it, the, the, one of the songs that we sang. The, the words were, I wrote them down. He shall come again. He shall come again. We will rise. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. We are in a situation right now where by Jesus, we are active. The church is active. We are moving. We know who we are. We are people who are loved by God. He's given us part of the good news is an extraordinary supernatural lifestyle that we can, in, we can engage in. But we also need to be aware, finally, that there is the future work of Jesus, which is the second coming of Christ. And um, in Philippians chapter 3, And verse 20 to 21, I'll just look at this scripture here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. The Apostle Paul says this, But we are citizens citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Saviour. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. The Apostle Paul had this attitude in regards to looking towards the last phase of Jesus going back. The Apostle Paul's attitude was eagerly, eagerly waiting. Eager expectation, not an exit plan. He didn't have an exit plan, even though his life was, naturally speaking, terrible. 
He had the joy of leading people to Christ, but he went through things that I wouldn't like. I would not like to be beaten or stoned to death or thrown in jail. He went through difficult times, but he didn't want to exit from here. He was just excited about the fact that in the future, there were good things there. Even in his bad times, he still was able to praise God. So we're not, we're not talking about this. Look, why is this so important? Even though for me, this is the least important of all of them, probably because I've never gone through terrible, terrible times that Paul did. But the reason it's so important is this. Listen to this. For all of us here, no matter what we're going through, good, bad or ugly, the bottom line is we know that whatever life throws at us, we win. The bottom line is, this is the power of the second coming of Christ. It means that no matter what comes our way, in the end, we win. It isn't as though we don't have hope. We do. We know the result. We win in the end. Um, You may be going through hell at the moment. I don't know. Some people do. I probably have at some point. Not at the moment. But you may, you may be going through it. Can I tell you, it's not the end of the story. If you are going through the worst time of your life and life is terrible, and it's, you know, and those points that I talked about, every one of them has been aff- afflicting you. It's not the end of the story. Everything is going to be all right in the end. This is the power of eternal, of eternal Zoe, that it ends well. The end of the story goes like this, and they all lived happily ever after. It's the end of the story. It's hope. Paul had a hope that gave him the ability to weather any storm because he knew in the end he was going to win. It's it's just like the quote. Some of you would have heard this. A lot of you would have. The Indian quote from the exotic Marigold Hotel movie. Who saw that movie? You know this quote. Everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. (laughs) That is the hope hope that we have. This is a Zoe life that it it is hope. It is hope to live. This was the hope that hope is so important. For, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus endured the cross because he knew that at the end, the victory was huge. We are totally victorious in Christ. That's the reality. And so, oh, look, one other point. Uh, could, I, could the band please come up on the stage because I've finished pretty much. So I'm just thinking now. In my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I constantly remind myself who I am in Christ, how much God loves me, the promises I've got. I remind myself about that. I constantly remind myself. I'm I'm looking towards Jesus. I'm reminding myself that I have an amazingly strategic life that I can step into, that I've been called into, that I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I know on those, you know, if I'm having just a terrible moment, I'm thinking, ah, something to look forward to. Sometime in the future, 10 years, 50, 100, 1,000, I don't know how many, the greatest, most significant event of human history, the second coming of Christ is coming back, and I qualify for it. And I'll tell you also, it also does empower me as a witness. 
because I know that I have God and I have hope. But I know that people who don't know Christ are without God and they don't have any hope at the moment. It empowers that. Praise God. Anyway, that's, that's my message. I just want to finish just by, could we just stand in the presence of the Lord? In fact, I'm, I am just going to say this. For, for those of you who may be at the moment in intense pressure and life is terrible, this is how I feel I myself would want to combat the situation. I'd be, I would be admitting to myself, I am in a massive battle right now, but I'm a new creation in Christ and I'm surrounded by your love and I know the end result, I win. I win. Praise God. Romans 8 verses 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the Father's love that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Praise God.